Welcome back to Here's the Deal. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am talking with my friend, Krista Daglo, who is a licensed clinical social worker and therapist. She believes strongly in the mind-body connection, and today we are talking about ancestral and cultural trauma surrounding diet and body image. This comes up a lot in my line of work, as you can imagine, and I want to be very careful as to the messaging that I am putting out into the world because I am trying to leave the world and you in a better place than than where you started from. So in my monthly VIP group, we have really wonderful, meaningful, deep conversations And one day I asked the group how their parents' perception of food, diet, exercise, and their own bodies has influenced them over the years. It's an understatement to say that I was blown away. And I realized the responsibility that I have and those of us with children also have. So Krista talks to us about how has ancestral trauma? How has cultural trauma influenced the way that we see ourselves? How does it influence the way that we choose to eat and the way that we exercise? She also gives us some actionable items for what we can do to actually improve things moving forward with ourselves, when we're talking to other people, and as we are raising our children. So you might want to grab a pen and paper for this one. You're probably going to want to listen to it more than once. If you need to reach out to Krista, please do so. Her website is healingrootswellnesscenter.com. And again, my wonderful my wonderful guest today, Krista Daglo. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Here's the Deal, everyone. You are in for a treat today because I have therapist Krista Dayglow with me today, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things, um, including ancestral trauma as it pertains to nutrition habits and body image, and who knows where else this is going to take us down. Um, Whenever we have a therapist on the show, Krista, it's very well received. I feel like people are really hungry starving almost for this information they need to know and they want to be empowered um, to to live their best lives. So before we dive into the questions I want to cover, can you tell us a little bit about the kind of practice that you have, who you talk to, and and what your background is? Yeah, absolutely. So hey, everyone. I'm so excited. Um, I always feel like I'm I'm using my hands right here, but like no one's going to see me, right? Okay. So I won't wave to anyone anymore. All right. So um, I'm a clinical social worker. So I've been a social worker basically since I was a kiddo. My mom was a social worker basically. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I think maybe um, some of the topics later on, but looking at, right, I've always been a social worker. I had my clinical license and way back when I always started seeing um, when I was working with kiddos, this like nutritional component, when I worked with these kiddos in these behavioral classrooms and they would come to me hungry every day and they would come, right? Like they maybe didn't eat breakfast. Maybe they ate a bowl of cereal and some juice for breakfast, right? And then they come in and they're all over the place, right? They definitely have mental health concerns. They have behavioral things at home, maybe in their environment impacting them, but also there was this component of like, it didn't matter what I did. If this kid wasn't nourished, like I could, I could talk to them and about their brain development about calming down skills, but if they're not, if they're hangry, right. They're not going to talk. Right. So then that kind of led me into one day I was like, I want to become a dietitian. Like I just love this mind body stuff. So I typed in dietitian um, and that led me to, there was an eating disorder place in Oregon. And I was like, oh, wait, maybe I don't have to become a dietitian, but I could still go work with this mind body connection. And so that's when I started working in residential, um, working with specifically women with eating disorders that were pretty high level, um, you know, folks that were needing to come with and stay with us 24 hours a day. Um, and then I eventually 
kind of moved out into my own private practice, led me to Denver where I met you. Um, and life kind of brought me into this other piece where my husband got sick and he had these chronic health issues. And so I also saw that his mood changed and that I was like, what like is happening to my husband? Like his mood is totally different. And like, he doesn't have an eating disorder, but he's got all these weird food intolerances. And so basically through my husband's journey, I just like devoured all this mind body stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so important. Like we are only taught as therapists about the brain. We're taught about the mind, really. We're not taught about even the brain that much, right? We're not taught about our body and about how that impacts our mental health. And so it just dove me into this like research and going to classes and learning more about this mind body connection. And then applying that to what I would also see of a lot of folks that I had with eating disorders, their bodies had these kind of health issues, right? Maybe chronic health issues. Maybe they led into diabetes. Maybe they were having SIBO. Maybe they were having all these other things that were happening in their body from a result from maybe this, this patterned eating when younger or opposite. Maybe they had this health condition that led them into disordered eating, right? So somebody with cancer that's maybe coming in, somebody with digestive issues, IBS people, right? They're going to have their this fear of food that's also going to create this, this actual body response in their body, right? So I got all these understandings and then that's where I work basically in this mind-body way with folks, women a lot more so, but men too coming in around this mind-body connection and the connection with food and mood. So this is tangled. Very tangled. Indeed. Everything. Wow. Yes, everything is. And this is like the more that I learned through my personal experience, like this isn't this isn't just about the the body. This isn't just about the mind. Like if we treat them as these separate entities, right? Like nothing ever gets actually addressed, right? And then we feel like we feel shame and we feel embarrassment because we can't get over these old things or we can't change our bodies or whatever it may be, right? But it's it's both. It's this highway that kind of goes back and forth that this loop system between our mind and our bodies, right? It's so interesting. Um, I was recently chatting with another guest who's also a friend who has recently started a health coaching practice, but she has a Western medicine background. She was a nurse. And so it sounds like you're saying this too. We really need to take this integrated approach, all angles. So I kind of look at health as like, we're all in this like super highway. Let's say there's like eight highway lanes. We're like in Denver probably, right? we got like these big highways, right? And like what happens a lot of times is like a therapist will stay in their lane and a doctor will stay in their lane. And the gastroenterologist will stay in their lane and everybody's in their own lane when, oh, we just need to be merging mm -hmm. together, right? We need to be coming together because it isn't just one system that we can work on at one time, right? And that's why I loved your program, right? Because you weren't just like, oh, we're just going to work out or we're just going to focus on food. We're going to focus on habits and we're going to, right? I saw in your program that you were taking this larger approach and I was like, okay, I can get down with that, right? As an, as a, as an eating disorder therapist, I was like, okay, like I'm seeing you're promoting all these different variables, right? And that's what I always promote is like, there's so many different ways to heal ourselves. There's so many different things, right? But we have to be able to understand how they all can interact together. Yeah. And you know, if, if I'm thinking, let's say I'm just a, a normal person who doesn't have this background that you have or I have, that's gotta be hard to navigate as a lay person. Right. Absolutely. What am I supposed to do? Right. Absolutely. I mean, before we dive into our big topics for the day, how does someone go about it? They, do they just start working with one practitioner? Do you have to have five different people? What do you think? Well, I think, I mean, that's such a big question, right? That I think in general, right? Like I want to help people understand that like, it's going to take a process. Right. So maybe you might start with an MD and maybe they ask you to work with a therapist or maybe they ask you to work with a gastroenterologist, maybe they a health coach, maybe a dietitian, maybe. A, right. And it's about understanding this where I love like atomic habits. Right. We're going to be able to say, right, like we need to make small, habitual, repetitive things. Right. So that we can feel confident in the top, like the areas that we're working on. Right. If we go and we're like, OK, we need to do all of these things at once. Right it's not going to happen. Right. When I know when I was um, doing your program, I was like, I love that you were like, we're not even like talking about food for the first two weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. Not even doing it. This isn't, or, you know, like when I'm or working out, right. Yeah. It was about, right. Because you know, right. You've got to add these things in slowly. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is where I think a lot of times people get overwhelmed. Right. And so my idea is right. Take one step. Right. And then the next day it's one more step. 
And the next day it's one more step, right? So if it's saying like, oh my gosh, I have my goal is to get healthy. Like what in the heck is that even, right? Like my goal is to drink more water, right? Right. Yeah. So true. Yes. Baby steps. Okay. We can get behind that. Yeah. So when I initially reached out to Krista, um, I believe I had posted a question in my monthly VIP community talking about how our parents had influenced us with our eating and our exercise. And it was, I, I wish I had the thread so I could show it to you. Uh-huh. It was unbelievable. And I, at the end, I was like, well, no wonder. No mm-hmm. wonder we have these, for lack of a better word, issues around food and exercise. Mm-hmm. So this is probably a big question. <laughs> like, how do our parents or perhaps even our grandparents, their behaviors, their past patterns affect us today. I'm excited to talk about this stuff because like I love, like I love getting into the science part of stuff. I love getting into what the root is, right? My business name is Healing Roots, right? Because I believe we got to come down to the root, right? And it's not necessarily about like talking and digging out the root, right? But it's understanding the root, right? And so you had emailed me about ancestral trauma, right? So I'm going to say, I'm going to use cultural trauma because girl, I cannot pronounce ancestral. I'm going to mess it up like left and right. So I'm going to use cultural trauma because it just fits with me better, right? No other word preference than I have a hard time saying the other word, right? So cultural trauma, and we can look at this is where epigenetics can come into play, right? We can dive really deep into all of these things, but really, so I looked around and I found a couple definitions of cultural trauma and I kind of put them together. So cultural trauma occurs when a group of people have a negative long lasting experience, which undermines their sense of group identity, values, meaning and purpose, or their cultural worldviews and manifest into symptoms of hopelessness, despair, and anxiety. So that's a whole bunch of stuff, right? A whole bunch of stuff that we can kind of unpack from here, right? So we've got this group experience and let's just like even talk about body shaming. Let's talk about body shaming as an experience, right? And this is where I'm probably going to focus a little bit more on females because I'm a female myself. I work with mostly females around body image, but I'm going to say, right, this is not just around females. We're also starting to see, right, that body shaming happens around males as well, right? We know that men's bodies are viewed, if you're short, you're weak, right? If you are not strong, you're weak, right? Their worth is based around their body being strong enough, Yeah. right? We can look at women, right? And our bodies have been focused around meeting other people's needs right? Taking care of our children, beautiful need, right? We have breasts that feed our babies, right? Beautiful need, right? But that's a big undertaking, right? We're pregnant for 10 months, right? We're not pregnant for nine months. We're pregnant for 10 months, right? We are having hormonal dumps after that, right? We are taken over in our bodies by other people a lot, right? That's just our children, right? Now, right, we We also have all other experiences with our families, right? But oftentimes our body as women in our society has been shaped around the worth of our body being small, being thin, being petite, having certain eye color, hair color, right? We know that there are certain cultural attitudes towards one type of body versus another, right? And this isn't even something that necessarily it's like written down in a book, right? but we all know it. And this is the part that I think it's interesting, right? Is how do our kids know this? How do we know it? How did we get through this, right? And this is again, where it's so embedded into our society. It's something that just kind of happens to us, right? This is the cultural trauma, right? This is the part that as let's say females, right? We are in this group identity, right? So if let's then go into some Brene Brown work, right? Around our brain is constantly trying to keep us safe, right? This is some neuroscience too, right? It's, its main job is always to keep us safe. And back in the day, there were lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right? We have all of those things, right? We have all of them, but that's not often how we died, right? We died of flu. We died of a broken bone. We died because we couldn't take care of ourselves, because we were hurt, because we got sick. And so we learned very adaptively, we need to be in tribes, in groups, in systems, in family groups, right? Because if you got pregnant, right, you needed somebody else to go get you your food, right? You needed somebody to help you deliver that baby. If you broke your bone, you couldn't go hunt, right? So you needed somebody, you needed this idea, right? 
So we had this fear system of lions and tigers and bears, but mostly this other part of our nervous system was trained that if you don't belong in your group, you are going to die. Oh, wow. Right? So now let's take this into the back into the definition, right? We have this group identity, right? And if you're not thin, if you're not in this certain body type, whatever it may be, then you're out, mm-hmm. right? And our brain is always telling us constantly, well, if you're out, you're unsafe. So get back safe, right? So lose the weight, do the thing, make your body this way, cut your hair, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. right? Wow. Right? And so all the stuff when we look at, right, our sense of values, right? So what do we value as a culture, as females, right? We might, as a society, value thinness, right? We've moved away with the Dove um, commercial now that's more focused on, what was their campaign for so long? Around like being strong. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Amazing, right? But now we're saying strong. So what if you're not strong? Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So now what does that mean? So if you're not strong or thin, then what does that mean? Okay. So awesome I values, right? To have, right? And this is where it gets kind of confusing, right? Like- can we promote strong and, and, and healthy? Like, what do these things mean? Right. And this is again, where like our sense of a group is confusing. And again, we were trying to fit in, mm-hmm. right. Trying to keep ourselves safe. And then let's talk about it manifests into symptoms, symptoms of hopelessness, anxiety, and despair, right. Hopelessness. My body's never going to be like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. This anxiety is like, oh my gosh, what does everybody think about my food choices? And then out right now. What does mom think about like, right? Let's say you're an adult, right? And you're out there and you're, and you're having a different type of food, right? For lunch with mom. What is even, right? These adult women, right? We know we still care about what our moms think. Yes. Right? Dads think, right? We I care. Say, like anecdotally, you know, I eat, most people would say a lot. Of course, I'm worried about what my mom is going to say when she sees what I order. Yeah. Uh, right? Because still. again, think about the story in the back of your head says, how do I fit into my tribe? my tribe and my mom. So is my mom going to approve or disapprove of my choices? Wow. Right. And so it's so embedded into our brains. Right. And this, now let's go into our neuropathways, right. With children. Right. Um, here's where I can bring my mom back in. So my mom used to teach this program called parents as teachers. And then I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but it's like an early intervention program that folks come in and they teach you kind of about children, early childhood development with your babies. Cool. Uh, so super fun. So I became a social worker and I worked for early head start and they use parents as teachers. So it was super cool. I like totally followed my mom's footsteps. Um, and this program in itself, right. The basis of this program was saying, you are your parent, you are your child's teacher, right? So they are going to go to school and they're going to have a preschool teacher and a kindergarten teacher and a fifth grade teacher and a high school and a college educator, but you are their most prominent teacher. You are with them all the time. Right. And so this idea came, right. Where, okay, we know early childhood development, we really need to help birth to three, right. Attachment is what I would teach. Right. And then all of a sudden we kind of don't teach kids anymore about attachment or all these other things. Right. When, when really, right. All of these things are so important to our brain development. Right. We talk about atomic habits, right. Basically a neuro pathway can either be created by repetition right? Going to the gym every single day, eating a certain way, being, you know, doing mindfulness things, right? Repetition, repetition, or there can be like these lightning bolts that come, right? And these lightning bolts just, they just create a pathway, right? And some of them are amazing, right? Like learning, learning um, how to ride a bike, amazing light bulb pathway, right? Maybe a couple times on it, but then one day you just get it right. And you know it, right? And it's nothing we have to go back and practice, right? Like mindfulness and all these other things we have to go back and practice, right? So all these different things shape how our brain is formed. When I worked at a functional medicine clinic, um, they focused on, on a lot of just neurodevelopment. And so one of the docs that I worked with, he said this amazing thing to me that made lots of sense in two different ways. First, he said, so females to brains develop around the age of 18, their frontal lobe, their frontal precourse locks in place around 18 right? Men's brains lock in place around 25. So also that was like a, oh, oh, that makes sense, right? 
Okay, so now we can also give some more understanding to the differences, right? When I was 18, I was like, I am not dating any boy, like under age 20, like, uh-uh, like they're all boys, right? Like I, I'm gonna, like somehow in my brain, I was, I was not an adult yet, but right. My brain kind of knew right from wrong. And this is the other part that he talked about is that our job as parents is basically to be the filter to what is right and wrong for our children until they are 18, right? This is where we have issues when they're 16 and they think that they know everything and we're still trying to teach them, right? <laughs> Right. But right, this is our main job as parents. We are their teachers and we are teaching them what is right from wrong. And we all know that children, um, at least I know I'm learning this very much so with my daughter, is that I can say whatever I want to say, but if I don't do it, she doesn't do it either. Yeah. Right. Or if I do it, she parrots me, right? She is a little mini me. Mm -hmm. Husband, right. When my mom used to watch her, I would see my mom come out, right? But they parrot us. Right. And so this is the part, right, where what are we saying to ourselves? What are we saying out loud about our bodies? Right. And I think this is probably where you're coming in and, and, and people are seeing, right, like, well, what am I supposed to do for my kid? How am I supposed to protect them? Right. And yet, what are we even starting to say about our bodies yeah. during the experience? Right. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And I think all of us are so concerned we know we're going to mess up our kids somehow. Like we know this. <laughs> yes. How can we lessen that? Like, how can we, what should we be doing? What should we not be doing? How can we teach them in a way that's going to help them and not hurt them? Absolutely. So um, kind of thinking about this, I was like looking through some of the articles and I kind of jotted down some ideas. So I had a couple of things that I that I was thinking about that what is helpful? What can we actually do? And I think the first one, which I thought was interesting, it was not anywhere in any of the literature about how to help your child with body image. It said nothing about like put on your oxygen mask first. What's going on with you? What's going on with you with your body image? What are you saying? What are what did mom say to you? Like, right, when you put that pose, right? What stuff do you have come up around your body image, around the way that you eat, around the way that you view other people's bodies, right? Like, have you ever even done that work, right? And that work may be looking into coming into a therapist like me, or it may just be journaling. It may just be pondering. It may be just thinking about talking about with your girlfriend, right? Like there's so many different ways, but like, what are you actually doing for yourself to understand and unpack your own body image, right? I think it's so easy to put it on the kids yeah. But really saying like, but wait a minute, like what's going on for me? Especially since they are parroting and they, they are so perceptive. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the first line of defense, the way you speak and the way that you act. Yes, absolutely. Huh. So I think that piece is the first step, right? Is if you want to understand and you want to raise a child that has some sort of body positivity that understands their body, right? You've got to do it for yourself. that's the first part right um the second part I think is so often we're so afraid to like talk about differences right yeah right um this comes up in so many things right whether it's race culture skin color what foods you're eating are you wearing a mask what do you think about vaccines right anything yeah we can really get in a place where we don't talk about these things right? So there's so many different things about us, right? Arm length is different. Hair is different. Birthmarks are different. Height is different. Weight is different. Bone structure is different. And it's kind of a disservice to our kids to pretend that those things aren't real, right? We have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was made most aware of that last year um, when I read the book, White Privilege, or what mm-hmm. was the book? Uh, what was the name of that book? Oh gosh. Maybe that was, oh, white fragility, excuse me. And yes, we don't talk about differences. Don't say that person is black. Why not? They are. Right? Yes. Yes. And so that brought to light that for me. I'm like, why am I not telling Brooks? Yes, that is a brown person. Yes, I see that brown man. I see that black woman. Mm -hmm. Um, Where did I learn it was not okay to talk about differences? Yeah. Right. And this is a big piece, right? That like, we just don't think that like, it's okay to go out and point to somebody, right? And we don't want to like go and point at somebody in, right? And the grocery, like, look at them, they're brown skin, right? And they have curly hair and they have, right? 
But I'm going to tell you, I did that with my daughter recently in a way, right? So my daughter, like many little girls, right? She's already starting to understand where she fits in, where she doesn't, right? And she's trying to figure out what things can she fit in with, right? Mm-hmm. So two of her buddies have super straight, silky hair, right? And my daughter, where there's going to be two pieces that come up with her hair that I'll bring into. This first piece, right, is that she hates her curly hair. She's got long, I know, right? I know. I know. I wish you guys could see my face because I know the daughter's hair and it is spectacular. Spectacular, right? It's gorgeous, right? She has had full womanly hair since she was a baby and it's just like my beautiful curls. Somehow, like I did not have this hair when I was a baby. She has like my hair as an adult now. I don't (laughs) know, uh, but I don't have the blonde like her. So she was like, but mommy, like, I want hair like them. Like their hair is so straight. It's so pretty. And that, you know, like, and I kept saying, well, girl, like, let's talk about this. Like amazing thing here. You and I, we get to have straight hair or we can have curly hair, right? Our hair, we do both, right? I was like, we, I was like, we'll straighten your hair. We can do things like this, right? Like I'll, I'll play around with your hair, right? I'll braid it. I'll straighten it, whatever you want to try, right? And then I took her out and I was like, let's look at all the different hairs when we're at the grocery store today. Right. And I said, and not only hair, right. I said, oh my gosh, look, that woman's taller than that man over there. Right. I pointed out the differences, right. Because it was just an easy thing to do. She's still like, is like, mommy, I don't like my hair. Right. And I want, and I'm like, okay, girl, whatever, but it's, you're different and celebrate that. I love your hair. If you want to straighten it every day of your life, when you're old enough, you can't, I'm not doing that right now. No, (laughs) that's not what an elementary school kid thinks. Right. But these ideas, right? We need to be able to celebrate and talk about that it's okay that people are different, right? Because I went around and I said, well, what if that man looked like daddy? How would you know that that wasn't daddy? Right. And so I tried bringing it down into her terms, right? So with older kids, right? Maybe you're going to use different language, right? But the more that it doesn't matter when we introduce these to our children, right? We are still teaching them because we are their teachers, right? So can I say something about that really quick? Yeah. It's, um, and also I hesitate to comment on your daughter's hair. Like when you post a picture of her, because I also don't want her to think that's the only great thing about her. Oh, look at your daughter's pretty hair. Well, I'm sure she's also really a smart girl. So I hold back. So I, so we'll just get right ahead to this. Yeah. Right? So this is the second part of the story. Oh, this happens all the time. Right? Yeah. This is the next phase of be mindful of what you're saying right? What are you saying about bodies around people, right? So my daughter has gorgeous hair. I'm telling you all, like, I'm not going to put a picture of her, but like she does, she has beautiful, gorgeous hair and she's had lustrous hair since she was two. And my mom and I used to joke at first, but like, I started getting pretty offended, like how often people commented on my daughter's hair. So my mom watched my daughter when we lived in Denver, when I worked, and I would come home and be like, all right, mom, how many people? She'd be like, oh, five, seven, three, right? All day long. And I'm thinking like, at first, my husband's like, why do you care? Like it is, it's beautiful. People are just focusing on the fact that she has beautiful hair. But I'm like, but there's so many different pieces with this, right? So what does she think about everything else in her body, right? What does it happen when she's sitting next to one of her little buddies? And randomly strangers, folks, I'm not talking about like, oh, my friends, right? Like people would walk by in a restaurant and stop or say, oh my gosh, we've been staring at your little girl all during lunch. Mm-hmm. Is that real hair folks? They would ask me if she was wearing a wig. Oh my gosh. What the heck if she was? <laughs> what if she was? What if she was? What if my daughter had trichotillomania, which is when you pull out your hair? What if my daughter had cancer? What if she just wanted to wear a fun wig because she didn't like her hair? Whatever it is, okay question to ask somebody right yeah right and here's the difference right so when somebody I love and I know says something about her hair right I'm like I know right oh my gosh I get so many people that say this right I know and she's also amazing oh my gosh let me tell you about what she did that was so funny the other day right because I'm also still gonna pull over to the other things too yeah right and this is where I think it's hard to figure out. Like you said, like you want to say something about her hair because it's so amazing, right? And right, like I don't want that just to be her identity, right? And this is where I think we get confused with as parents. When is it okay to comment and when is it not? When is it okay? Like 
here's all of these different pieces, right? That just get so confusing, right? And I think this is where we get lost of like, can I call my daughter beautiful? Can I call my son handsome? Like, it, are those things okay, right? Yeah. Right? And so this is where I think, right, we have to be mindful around how we're saying it and when we're saying it and how often we're saying it and what other things we're saying, right? And this is where, right, if I want to tell my daughter, she came out this morning, super cute. She had like a superhero costume and she had her Wonder Woman and she came out and I was like, oh my God, you look so strong, right? The day before, right? And she like comes out and it's like superhero is so cute, right? And she like comes parkouring off of the furniture and stuff, right? Like a superhero, right? You're so strong, like how high you can jump, right? A couple of days ago, right? She came out and her, you know, she likes to surprise me when she comes out of her, right? With some outfit on, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, that dress is so pretty, right? I love the way that it flows on you, right? Versus you're so pretty, you're so beautiful, right? Being able to comment on other people's clothing, on their new hairstyles, on their earrings, on that color lipstick, right? Those are the things that we can talk about. Those are descriptive things, right? The earrings, right? Like it's cool to be like, oh yeah, I can put these on, take these off. I can't put on my stomach and take it off. Yeah. Right. I can't change those things. Right. But then also if we're only saying, gosh, your legs are so strong and look at what those feet do for you. What happens when they're hearing other things, when other people are saying your friend is so beautiful and oh my gosh, did you see her? She said, but maybe they're not hearing about those things about themselves. Yes. Right. Yeah. Again, so this like, ah, what do I do? Like, how am I, like, let's talk about, um, I'm guessing with folks that come into you often, right? Their bodies are changing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then they're getting attention yes. for the body change. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, what do they feel like when people are saying, oh my God, you look so good. Oh my gosh. How much weight have you lost? Yep. Oh my God. Tell me your program. Oh my God. I'm, I kill you for what you're doing right now. Oh my gosh. You, right. And we think about, okay, that's a great thing, right? Like you are, you're seeing their body look different. That's not a bad thing necessarily to say, right? This is where we get confused and people are like, don't comment on bodies. Okay, but like their body's changing. Mm-hmm. And right, what happens if their body doesn't change? What happens if they're working out? What happens if they gain back some weight? Now what is left for them, right? So I had a mom recently, I just met a new mom, right? And women like to talk about their bodies all the time, right? Oh, Sometimes I'm an eating disorder therapist or they do. And they're like, oh God, what am I supposed to say? Right. Oh, right. So this one mom was talking to me. She's like, oh my gosh, I feel so good. I lost hundred pounds this last year. I did it. She's talking about all, and she's focused on the number, focused on all these things. And I was like, how do you feel? Right. How are you sleeping? Right. Oh. Like, what do you feel like when you walk around? Like when I saw her right in between the stages, right. I was like, girl, you're strutting your walk. Like you look so confident. I love it. Then you look so thin. Oh my gosh. Right. Idolizing this. Right. And let's think about, so now we've got these kiddos that are hearing these things. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. And they're not messages that we're meaning to say. Right. And let's take away blame from moms too. Right? Yes. please. Yes. My mom, I don't know if she ever talked about her body. I don't know if she ever, I still had body image stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. There was a man in my life that made lots of comments around my body size, right? Would come around and maybe pinch my side and say, oh, look at those love handles. Oh yeah. Boys don't like those, right? Mm. Right? Your eyes just got big, yeah. right? Like, the person. Right? I mean, it's not just females, right? This is also men talking about bodies, mm-hmm. right? This is our daughters are gonna hear high school boys talk about bodies, mm-hmm. right? These aren't things that we can avoid, mm-hmm. right? So the next thing that I want to say that can be helpful is talking about just how much our bodies obsessed or our society is obsessed with bodies. Mm. Talk to them about it, right? This isn't something I can do with my daughter yet, right? But an eight-year-old, a 16-year-old, whatever age they are, you can go around in the grocery store. Let's look and let's count how many things today we see at the grocery store that tell us that we might need to change ourselves. Oh, that's a good one. So walking up and down the beauty aisle, right? For thin, for thicker hair, right? Because your hair is not thin enough. It's too thin, right? For more boisterous, whatever, right? Then the magazines that are on the site, right? Teaching them this stuff is out there. Not saying it's not out there. Not saying, oh, don't look at that magazine. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to look at that, right? This thing's out there. And you know, you might want to pick up that magazine. There might be a really cool recipe in that magazine, but you also need to know how to filter these things, mm-hmm. right? And so then that's the next thing I'm going to say, right, is we need to teach our kids, what do you actually do, right? 
what, what do you do when somebody makes a comment about your body, right? What do you do when they make a comment about your body, but then the next time they touch your body unwantedly, right? Maybe you, maybe you accept the compliment, like, oh, I feel really good. They said, oh, I look good today, right? But then, right, something else happens, right? How do you give them language, right? To be able to say, you get to own, if you feel good and somebody gives you a compliment, great. But also what are they giving you compliments about? Where else are you getting, what are you giving your compliments about to friends? Yep. Right. What are you saying to them? What are you saying about so-and-so when they walk down the hallway together? What if that was you when you walked down the hallway, Mm -hmm. right? Being able to put them into like, if it was a friend, if you were a friend talking to them, what would you say to them? right? Giving them, that's a really easy way to get kids to be like, oh yeah, I would tell so-and-so this, right? Like it's really an adult, tell you true, like same kind of thing, right? I use this in my adult clients too, right? Like what would you say to a friend, right? Would you call them fat when maybe they have been working really hard in your program and haven't lost the weight that they wanted, but they're feeling engaged, they feel healthy, they're, they're drinking all their water, they're sleeping really well. What would you tell that friend? Or you'd be like, keep going. You're doing a great job. You'd be like, oh my God, you're the worst. You suck. So you shouldn't even do that, right? Right. But this right? happens. Like I, I laugh, but that's exactly what the internal dialogue is. Exactly what it is, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so being able to understand, we we need to know our brains can work up against us, right? I have to tell my daughter all the time, your brain's lying to you right now, girl. Like it's not true, uh-huh. right? And so teaching her from this very young age that we have these different parts in our brain and we have a part, right, that says, Maybe you want to eat a balanced meal, but also cupcakes are great. And that, right. And that like, maybe also if you eat cupcakes every day for all your meals, like you're not going to feel really great. Right. So being able to talk to my daughter, right. I'm like, Whoa, look at that. Like cupcake. It got you all the way through the birthday party, but girl, I'm saying it doesn't get you very much longer than that. Right. What do you think we need for your belly? Right. Versus like, Oh my gosh, you need to eat girl. You are so hangry. Let's get some food in. Right. Or saying, Oh, you need to have this, or you can't have that. Right being able to teach her, right? Foods can fuel different things, right? But the cupcake is only gonna last us a little bit of time, right? Versus like, oh, you had a sandwich and a cupcake. You're gonna go probably for a couple hours, girl, right? But how do we actually talk about this, right? So maybe then I'm wondering like, what do your, your folks come in and talk about or their concerns with like sharing with their kids about your program? Is this where you see? Yeah, the, only, the biggest concerns come around the weighing of the food, mm-hmm. which can seem drastic and obsessive. Um, so I always say it, it's a tool. We are learning portion sizes. Yes. And well, so and, and the intention behind it. So that's the big concern, seeing them weigh the food. Okay. If, for example, um, a child were to see their parent weighing themselves on a scale, they're mm-hmm. worried about what message that is sending. And that's really the big thing. Those, those are the two things. The things that involve the tool are where people are concerned. Where people get, okay. Mm-hmm. So, right, this is where, right? Right where you just named it, right? This is a tool. Mm-hmm. This is a tool that mom's using right now, just like when I use my computer, right? Like I need my computer to get on Wi-Fi. Right now I'm using this, this, this scale to weigh my food, to understand how much my body feels satisfied with all of this food. And mommy or daddy or whoever's on your program, right? I'm going to say what I would say to my daughter, right? Is that like mommy is learning what kinds of foods are going to really fill me up and make me feel really good about my body versus other foods that maybe don't fill me up as much. And maybe I end up eating a little bit more than my body needs, right? And so I'm learning about this a little bit more, right? With weighing, um, I think it's, I loved your approach to weighing because in your program, because you said, right, you can weigh, you cannot weigh right? You can weigh every day. You can weigh once a month. You can weigh, weigh. Everybody has their own experience with it, mm-hmm. right? As an eating disorder therapist, I'm going to say nobody needs to know their weight for any reason, yep. right? So whether other than scuba diving or jumping out of plane or anesthesia, right? Within that, right? Also, if you are learning any new habit, right? Let's look at atomic habits. We want to have a visual cue. We want to have, right, things set up in our environment that are going to give us tools, right? If a tool is saying, I want to weigh myself because I want to understand what progress my body is making, what things I might need to adjust, if I can work through not being obsessed with that, right, that's the part that can get a little tricky, right, is then it can make us go good or bad, right? And this is, I think, the key part of if your child's going to see you on that scale, 
that reaction is the most important piece. Ah, yes. Right. So when you get on that scale and you say, oh, I've been working, oh my God, like I busted my ass today and nothing. Oh my God. Oh, oh, I knew, I knew it was going to be like this. I knew I ate this bad this weekend. I knew it was going to be so bad. Right. If that reaction of getting on the scale gives some sort of weight to an emotional reaction or if mommy feels good or mommy feels bad, dad feels good or dad feels bad, that's the part that they're going to hook on to. If you're like, oh, mommy got on the scale. I wrote it down on the thing, closed the book, time to go. Yes. Totally different. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that. I want to come back for a sec to uh, the comments. Mm-hmm. Because this actually just came up with someone. I, I, I just feel like we all need to get on the same page. Like, please share this with as many people as you can. I don't even tell clients, I think you look so great. Mm-hmm. You know, I say you're, you're doing a good job and your results are reflecting that, things of that nature. I, I, I'm very careful. But then also, mm-hmm. I don't want ever anyone's worth to be wrapped up just in the way that they look. Sure. Like, especially with our, our kids, like if we're only commenting them on their bodies and their beauty and their hair, what happens when those comments aren't coming through? Are they always going to use their body as a way to get validation? Right. I don't right. know. That's just very top of mind for me right now. Right. This is where coming back to like, if not just saying about their bodies, right? What are you saying about your body besides just like, Ooh, I feel good in this dress today. Yeah. Are you like, Oh, I got so much good sleep today. Oh my gosh. Mommy feels so much better when I feel, when I feel really good about that. Right. Like, don't I feel like, doesn't my, like my eyes look so much more open today, right. Being able to focus on some of these other things and complimenting them around all the other pieces too. Right. Then we don't just have one big piece around what our worth is. Right. And again, talking about this, right. Talking about with our kids, right. Like what makes you feel good about yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. What makes me feel good about myself, right. is like, oh, mommy learned how to play ukulele in this last year. And I thought like I could never learn an instrument and I did it. And oh, I'm so amazing about myself. Right. Those kinds of things. Right. When we talk about that and we give ourselves props, right. That's also going to be teaching our kids, right. That even if you don't maybe fit in, with your body type, right? It doesn't matter, right? We also can talk about fitting in our body types with other things, right? Like, oh yeah, girl, like those legs, those are built for like soccer or running or track, right? Like your arms are so long. I wonder what it would be like if you swam, right? If you moved those arms to swim around, right? And being able to talk about it in that way versus, right, what their body looks like all the time, right? The thing that you just said too, I think I want to go back to of like, okay, so everyone needs to do this, right? Because this is, this is society, right? The thing that I think of, and I think the image I, just rocked me last year when the image came out with like one person contracting COVID and then seeing five people and then seeing those 25 people. And then I don't know the numbers, right? But it just kept exponentially going up, but basically one person and how quickly something can spread, right? Let's take that same concept right? Let's say you and your kiddo are two separate people and that you're talking with your kiddo about their worth and you're popping them up about all these different things, right? Then they're going to go and say those things to that friend, right? And that friend might say it to three friends and that friend might say it to tip, right? And this exponential growth, right? But it starts with individually. I think sometimes we feel really overwhelmed when we see like, let's say the COVID numbers right now. Yeah. What can I do? Right. I don't know what to do. Right. With all this. Right. Like I can wear my mask. What can I do? Right. We feel really overwhelmed when we look at the societal thing. Right. When it's the big picture. Mm -hmm. Right. But when we can say like each of us has a place to make some sort of impact. Yes. Some sort of impact. And that impact, it changes so much. I can't remember what it was of I want to say I'm really bad with details. This is why I'm a therapist, by the way, too. I once, I, I, like for a hot second, people were like, be a nurse instead. And I was like, nobody wants me to be a nurse. I am not exact. I don't remember details, but something like when you smile at someone in the store, smiles are literally contagious to people, yep. right? Just like yawns are, right? We all know a yawn is contagious, but so is a smile, right? When you smile, you are now affecting, I want to say it's like 49 people. Wow. Right. Because if that one person and that person, right, this is where our individual efforts, when you are talking to your son, when I am talking to my daughter, right, that growth will change. It will make this different, right? 
I feel so corny when I say this, but it's so true of like the children are our future. They are, I believe. They are, and I say it all the time and I feel corny every time I say it. And yet it's exactly true, right? And so again, if we come back to, let's take care of ourselves first, right? And then we can help our kids through this process. And if each of us does that, think about the potential growth we have for our kiddos and the way that they can grow up and talking about bodies, talking about just all these other differences that we all have in our bodies. I agree. You know, so again, I reached out to Krista after posting um, a morning post in my VIP community about tell me how your parents have influenced the way that you speak about your body, the way you felt about your body. And the thread was amazing. I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And at the end I wrote, no wonder, like no wonder we're all here together. No wonder we've gone through the things we've gone through, but Mm. also how amazing that we're, we are doing the work. We are Mm. examining this so that we can do better for our children who are our future. And I have to tell you, Krista, I am, I get so excited where I, the gym, where I go work out, there are tons of teenage girls. Of course, I think they're teenagers. They might be in their twenties, but they're strength training and they're, they, they're, they're not trying to get, um, make their bodies smaller necessarily. Yeah. It doesn't look like to me. It takes everything in me not to go up to them and ask them about what their thought process is, but I do compliment them like, oh my gosh, you're so strong because it makes me so happy because yeah. it's, a, it's a younger generation than us. And I don't see them doing the same things that we did with like the cardio and the oh, things of that nature. Yeah. I don't know if it's across the board. I don't know if it's just in my little bubble where I live, mm-hmm. but I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful. I'm hopeful. Every time I like think about like, oh my gosh, look at what our kids, like these, these millennials, right? Everybody might have problems with millennials and things, right? But they are changing the way that we think of things, right? They are questioning things differently, mm-hmm. right? And then our kids, right? When we think about like, gosh, if that's their role models, like what do they get to, what do they get to do, right? And this is where like in, in therapy, like I never come in and be like, all right, let's get down to the room, blame mom, blame dad, right? Like it's like, it's, this is a big thing, right? This isn't just mom and dad, right? This is how their parents talk to them. This is how their coaches talk to them. This is how they grew up on the farm. This is how they grew up in a malnourished time period, right? To abundantly give you and feed you food, right? And that one generation that was always pushing food on their generation, right? Because they didn't ever have any, right? Isn't just one little thing, right? This is ancestral cultural trauma, right? That long-term affects us, but we do have something we can do about it. And that's what I think, like you're saying, right? There is Right. It's really, you know, and my mom loves, loves, she read somewhere we heard after 30, you can't blame your parents anymore, Kylie. And I was like, I know (laughs) that's why I'm doing the work. (laughs) Right. You can understand how they influenced you. Right. But I talk about in therapy with my clients, right? Like it's about learning that you've got to parent yourself. Yes. They're no longer responsible for you. Right. After 18, 25 for boys. Right. Remember that fun fact. Right. But we are need to be our own parents. Nobody ever taught us these skills, so we need to go learn them, right? Uh, we learned math, science, arithmetic, all these things, but we didn't take classes on body image. We didn't take classes on finance, on communication, right? It's okay to know that, like, you might not have all the answers. You don't know these things because you weren't taught, right? It's not that you're a bad mom, a bad person, a bad father, right? It's that you're a really amazing person. You just never were taught something. So there's lots of things to come out here like podcasts, right? To learn and educate yourself differently. Yeah. It comes back to that ownership. I mean, we have to take ownership for this stuff without passing on blame. So with that being said, um, the other therapists I've, I've talked to, they're all like really busy right now. (laughs) Are you equally as busy right now? Um, so it is, it's just a time period. I also think this time of the year, there's always more folks that at the end of summer, everyone's just like knocking at the door. Um, yes. Yeah, so we're all busy. Um, I've got a couple new therapists in my practice that I've added on, which would make it beautiful. So now I can really find the folks that, you know, want to work on body image that want, that maybe have this chronic health stuff. Like I can take these like very specific clients in my clientele right now. Um, that I just get so excited to work with. So I just have a couple like little slots that I can add people in, but that's why I hired on some other folks because we do this, this COVID 
awareness around mental health, the ability of telehealth, right? I do telehealth, so I still see folks in Colorado, Oregon, Kansas, Missouri, Florida. We have all these different states, right? That now we can access people in all these different ways. And so it's a beautiful thing. It kind of breaks my heart that I'm full or that I, you know, need to hire other people to bring on, but it also makes me feel really good that like I can have that and I can keep spreading that. And now I can like hire on more people to keep passing on even more, you know, healthier mindsets, right? For our, yeah, for ourselves and for our kids. So if someone is listening and they're like, oh gosh, I really need to work with Krista or someone on our team, what is the best way to, to get a hold of you? So just our website, it's Healing Roots Wellness Center. It's a long one, um, but Healing Roots Wellness Center. I will definitely put that in the show notes because um, I just, I know we need it. And I know more people are open to the therapy. You know, yeah. my stance on it, everyone needs it. And Fun fact, Krista introduced me to my therapist who I love. Um, and it's been this ripple effect. It has, right? Well, because honestly, right, Aaron's my Aaron was my therapist, right? And I'm like, I'm gonna promote anyone that I can, right? That I love, that I know it shapes my life, right? Same thing for me, right? I can promote for you, right? That I know that there's these strong individual women, right? That we know how to own ourselves a little bit more or we're learning how to own ourselves a little bit more, right? Having to like step into these roles, right? And it's amazing to have these other people around, right? And there's so much work for all of us to do, right? And this is where I think, right? There's therapy, there's what you do with coaching, right? There's yoga, right? That's where I fell in love with, right? In Colorado, I was feeling lost out there when I first moved there, right? And finding just a group of people like-minded coming to the community center for yoga, right? Like I love that I was with 18 year olds and 70 year olds in that. Such a special place, yes. Such a special place, right? I know you don't teach that class anymore, which I'm okay with since I don't live there anymore. Yeah, right. I was that when I left your class, but right, health and wellness comes in so many different ways. We just have to be able to hold space that right, one small step, right? If you wanna just take one little bit of information from this podcast, right, that's still gonna have some sort of growth like atomic habit sets, right? Tiny little steps make huge changes. Great. Well, Krista, thank you so much for your time. This was so mm -hmm. valuable. Um, yeah, there's lots of work to do, but like you said, we don't have to do it all in one day, one year. We've got our entire lifetime. So yeah. I'm feeling hopeful. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks, Kylie. You betcha. We'll talk to you soon, Krista. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode of Here's the Deal. If you enjoyed this show, please share it out to your friends so we can empower as many people as possible to take control of their lives so they feel their best and they look their best. You can always connect with me on Instagram. My handle is Kylie Fit Yoga. And if you want to learn more about the eight-week program that I have, Lift to Get Lean, check out Lift to Get Lean with Kylie.com. And that is the program where me and my team of coaches help people learn how to track their macros, understand the importance of macronutrient tracking. We give you strength training workouts and the biggest piece of the program is the mindset coaching of it. As you know, nothing changes if you don't change your thoughts. So I look forward to connecting with you in any and all ways. Again, we appreciate your support.